Took a second. I downloaded the app. Okay. So just gonna say hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Rad Life. And I'm your host, Austin. Today I have a very special guest. His name is also Austin. So this is gonna be an A Squared podcast. How are you doing, Austin? Great, man. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing today? Oh, you know, beautiful Saturday morning here in New Mexico. So this is actually a pilot test of our the very first virtual uh, guest on the Rad Life podcast. I think it's going all right so far. One day we'll have the budget to just fly people out to New Mexico. We'll have his own studio and everything. Right. So uh, any sponsors out there listening that wants to help make that happen... Yeah, Delta preferably. Well, you know, we're, we're we're open to all suggestions. We'll we'll accept you too, Spirit. I mean, even a Pop Tart sponsorship, we just need cash. <laughs> That's true. I was I was thinking planes, but yeah, then you know, maybe Pop Pop Tarts has stupid money. They could they could probably help. Yeah. So Pop Tarts, if you're listening, I love your product. Hit me up on Twitter at Rad Life Spotify on Twitter. That's this podcast. I'll be sure to pump your product. And you can make an NFT Pop-Tart. That could be a... Yeah, my art skills are getting better. I've been practicing. I mean, even if they're not great, a Pop-Tart is not the most difficult thing in the world to draw. <laughs> right, right. I draw my favorite flavor. What's your favorite flavor Pop-Tart? Ooh, good question. Um, ooh, I, I, I might have to say a chocolate chip cookie dough. That is... That is a good one. I always buy the s'mores one because, like, the specialty ones come in, like... Yeah, the bigger boxes. Yeah, the s'mores and the cinnamon and the strawberry come in the bigger boxes. they come in the 24 box, and you can only get the chocolate chip cookie dough, and chocolate chip's another favorite of mine. They only come in the the 8 box, Uh, maybe the 12, but not not the 24, which is always a disappointment. So, Pop-Tarts, if you sponsor us, can we uh, work on a 24 box for the, the little more specialty one? Right, right. Pop tarts, warm. You like them warm, or do you, yeah, you know, I always, I always okay. Them. Brown sugar cinnamon is like really game changing as warm. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, this flavor is kind of meh, but then as soon as I toasted it and have some coffee with it, and then it's oh, with coffee too. Yeah, that'd be good. That is prime. Okay, so uh, do you dip in the coffee or nah, no? No, I don't. Some really... people do. You know, some people do that thing with the Oreos or like. Uh, some people are weirdos and do it with like fries in the frosty. My sister does that, which is just strange. But I think apparently fries, it's like a next level thing. I'm on team fries in the frosty. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah. So how's your I, New Year been? Any New Year's resolutions? Uh, New Year's resolutions. I I never like to call them that because it like ninety eight point seven percent of people just seem to fail them. Yeah, um, I mean, do, okay. Do you have? You don't call them that, but do you have any yeah, goals um, for the new year? I guess you could. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Um, I've been reading. I, I put my book on my bed every single night. I'm, tr- I'm trying to read again a lot. Um, last year, I had a goal of 12 books for the year, so a book a month. And I made it to eight. So I didn't, like, fail miserably, but I failed. So now I was like, okay, how do I... Uh, I mean, that's, that's 75%. That's a C. Unless it's curved, then it's still an A. Hey, but, yeah. I, I think uh, in college, that C's get degrees. Is, is that, that the, uh... Yes, that is true. That's the uh, saying. Right. Different for the job market, but you, you get two degrees. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's one of my, that's been one of my goals. And it's worked really well. You know, it's just 
kind of in the way when you go into bed. So read a couple pages at least. Um, I'm like 100 pages through my first book now, which is not a drastic amount, but it's a, it's a start. Yeah. And then, Just pick short books and all of a sudden you're killing it. <laughs> that's true. It's true. I'll pick some uh, Clifford, Clifford books and all that. I'll be, uh, yeah, I'll be my, my, 12, <laughs> my 12 books really easy. <laughs> Maybe next month. <clears throat> Any big goals you have? Uh, actually, just, you know, the standard fitness one. I'm trying okay. to lose about 20 pounds. Uh, you know, I've ran the gambit of the weight spectrum pretty much. But <laughs> Yeah, you, you've been all over the place. Um, so, yeah, you're for the listeners that don't know, you were like my amateur diet coach for a little bit because I was always texting you about yeah. different. Yeah. Um, Instead of starting this podcast with um, this is not financial advice, we'll say this is not dietary advice. I'm not yeah. a nutritionist. <laughs> we'll get into the not financial advice too later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, got, got, we have all your uh, amateur non-researched uh no no backgrounds for the most part other than just being active and fit we're just we're general. just a couple chuckleheads don't listen yeah. to us yeah. don't well, listen to us but we have relevant experiences or you know we've gone through similar experiences so right we right. can speak to those <laughs> right so are you back on the uh the intermittent fasting for this yeah that's what, yeah that's what i'm doing uh i'm currently on actually it's about a 14 hour fast right now from last night i think uh the benefit of intermittent fasting is that like you eat your calories in a smaller window so it gives you less opportunity to actually eat overeat because it's a shorter amount of time and what it really amounts to is eating an early dinner and skipping breakfast is what how i'm doing it okay Uh, it really worked for me the first time so just a little backstory uh, I went from like 260 or 70 pounds to like 140 to 150 ish. And in like eight months, which was pretty crazy. That was, I called it the starvation diet. It might be called the eating disorder now. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what that's classified as, but yeah, I was really intermittent fasting that as it, I ate like one meal a day for like less than a thousand calories. And, you know, if you want to lose weight, that's how it is. Yeah. But, so <laughs> what was your, um, what was your window back then versus now? Uh, so back then I would eat, I would eat at dinner time. I'd skip breakfast and lunch and I'd eat like one meal of like chicken and rice or eggs and uh a meat and that was like I was but that was not healthy that was starvation pretty much uh now it's I eat pretty early like when I get home from work at like five o'clock and then I don't eat until the next day's lunch at like 11 o'clock and okay. so far I've been seeing in the three weeks that I've had for the new year, I've already lost six pounds. So that's two pounds a week, which I feel like that's a pretty good rate. Healthy, not like. Yeah, uh, no, that seems pretty reasonable. It's two pounds a week. Um, nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, yeah. And I, I think the big thing now is like you definitely went overboard, you know, a little too far the first time. And I think part of that was just you wanted to see how far you could go. Yeah, like it's dangerous for a lot of people, I think. Um, you know, kind of, it's the same concept as the gym, you know, where you're just obsessed a little bit over the scale. Right. So, I mean, I've done 
all the weight lost. I know you were trying to bulk up for a little while, opposite problems, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were helping each other a little bit. You were helping me with the cardio and running and kind of stuff like that, or like what calories are good and high intensity interval training versus long distance. And I was kind of, we went to the gym for a little bit together. Yeah. That was a fun time. Um, I, I went for, I think like another six months after that. And then, uh, went down on like a vacation and my shoulder had like been bothering me for a little bit anyway. So, um, I kind of, I stopped for well now, now a long time <laughs> at the time I thought it was going to be like a short little break, but, um, something, I mean, something when... I'd like to get back into not necessarily, I don't necessarily have to get huge. Um, but just to like be back in shape, I st- I you know I don't do anything crazy on a daily basis. I just do like I do my push ups every day. And uh, when you were doing core. that hundred day hundred push up challenge, yeah, you could actually see the gains you were making in your chest. Like I hadn't seen you in a little while. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, G's got a pump. Yeah, it's kind of it. It's one of those things where um, like the book I'm reading right now is uh, it's called Atomic Habits. It's talking about how like you can change small little things every single day. And it's, uh, they talk about like marginal improvement in the book, really. So it's like 1% improvement every single day. You'd be 37 times, almost 37 times better than you were when you first started the year. So it's all about making those little changes. And I think like, you know, not everybody has access to a gym, but you can do, you could do push-ups every day. It's not that hard. Yeah. And it's one of those things. It's like, the hardest part about exercising is you don't notice the difference right away. Like it's one of those things you have to keep up to actually notice. And it's not instant gratification, but once you do notice the change, it's even more motivating. Right. Or like someone says, dang, you're looking good. And then all of a sudden you take a second look in the mirror and go, Oh, I guess I have made improvements. Yeah. Uh, that just motivates you more but like since you see yourself every day you don't it's a gradual change there's nothing like stark about it compared to like someone you haven't seen in a while it's like dang that's a big change from the last time i saw you yeah and uh to your point like even my other friends from college would like when we we go out with like to the beach house or whatever and people would be like oh like what they're like are you working out and they're like yeah and like I, you know, I was just doing push-ups, so it's, right. it's one of those things that you don't, yeah, absolutely, you look at yourself in the mirror every single day, you know, you're like, oh, like, I don't really notice anything, but it's one of those long-term things, like, it takes, I, I forget how, how it works, I want to say it's, like, four weeks for you to notice, like, any change, right, and then it's, like, I was actually six about weeks, to quote that, um, yeah, six weeks for really close, cha- like, really close friends, family, to notice and i think it's like eight weeks for some other friends and then people that you don't see every now and then it might be like three months six months but to your point when when other people notice you it, it's definitely more of a encouragement because i think a lot of people start their like workout journey at least at least the boys you start you know for the girls or whatever right you know, you know there's some ulterior motivation normally but um the people that stick with it tend to be the people that realize, you know, I want to do it for myself. I mean, when I'm healthy, I also just feel better, like more energy throughout the day. Like, Oh, always. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing. I think um, to your point, you don't see instant results and then 
I think half the battle is also, or more than half the battle is just starting. Right. I think that's, so like New Year's resolutions get like a bad rap because everybody just says, oh, I'm going to change this. But Mm -hmm. I think for the people that actually want to make a change, it's a good place to like, it's a, that psychology of a starting point. Yeah. It's a, a circle you can put on the calendar of, I'm starting now. And right. I think that's really powerful. Like most habits, if you're going to start, start on a Monday because it's mm-hmm. the beginning of the week. Like you need that psych- psychologically that marked yep. change on the beginning. Yeah. That's talked about a little bit in the book too. Start on the beginning of the week or uh, start on the beginning of a month. You know, it's kind of the concept of like, it's an, you know, you can use the concept. It's like a new me almost. Um, I do something. Uh, I have a calendar with like all the days on it and every single day I do my push-ups. I uh, put an X through the day and you could do it for like any goal. But what happens is you, you see that one X and you're like, Oh, okay. I want to make it two. And then all of a sudden you have a calendar full of X's and it's more of like a, Oh, I don't want to break it. So funny that you mentioned the calendar. Cause I was just thinking that I was, one of my new year's resolutions or whatever i went to work and got one of the payroll calendars is because i didn't want to buy a calendar because i'm cheap but <laughs> i was going to do the exact strategy that you were just talking about so i i think it's really really effective i would highly recommend to anybody and you can um you can add on to it too so like instead of it just being oh you know i need to do my 50 push-ups for the day in order to get the x you can make it oh like i need to do my 50 push-ups and read a chapter a day or you know, you can slowly add on to it and it doesn't feel like it's anything increasingly more difficult and you're still forming that, that habit. Yeah. One of my biggest, uh, I guess, obstacles is the dang smartphone that's always in my hand. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's like, oh, I could put it down for a second and get, you know, 20 pushups in, but mm-hmm. dang, this game is fun or scrolling through. And so. Well, you can, uh. You can overcome that. You can do, you can say, okay, so like your rewards, your phone, right? You want right. to go on Facebook or, you know, you want to check the stock market because bad. You know, let's be honest. You don't look at Facebook. I don't look at, <laughs> look at the dang charts. No. Okay. So you say, all right, um, I will go on my stock account after I do 20 pushups or I get to go on my stock account after I do 20 pushups and then you'll want to do those 20 pushups and then eventually you'll have that trigger of like, Oh, I want to go on my stock account. Okay. I'll do 20 pushups. Yeah. I, that's a good way to, I haven't thought of that strategy yet. Cause I have an extra copy of this book. I feel like I should send you it. <laughs> maybe the shipping prices are just outrageous right now, but oh, uh, maybe, yeah, I, I, maybe I fly <laughs> out. and uh... Yeah. You come out and uh, we can do some elevation training out here. Um, oh Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. How it's like almost 7,000 feet out there, right? Uh, 7,500 actually. So, oh, okay. All right. My, my highest run was at a, we started, I think we started at 65 and we got it to 9,000. So, okay. It was, uh, it was brutal because we did it. It was 15 miles. So we started, we started at the top because we figured, oh, we'll go down first and then come back up. And, uh, that was most certainly the harder way to do it. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to go up first and go back down, but my uh, my friend my friend wanted to do it the harder way, and uh, it was it was uh it was fun until it wasn't. 
<laughs> right. Uh, so are you running again or training to run or running for fun? Like what's Currently going? I am uh, not running, although I am working on getting back to it. I had a pretty, um, not like a bad injury, but it's just been something that's been nagging me for a while. I, it's my, I, it like runs from your hip to your knee. It's your IT band. And a lot of runners, it's like an overuse problem, just like any other problem I've experienced in uh, my injuries. Uh, too much too soon. Uh, so once I once I'm able to get back, I'm doing some like uh, I'm not going to PT, but I'm doing PT exercises. And once I be able to get, get back, I'll have to keep my mileage like really low. Um, uh, I've also been looking at getting a, a road bike though, just because it's it's less impact. I've hurt myself a lot running, and the road bike sounds like kind of the way to go for me. It's a lot of money, is what you I've learned. But, uh, you want something easier on the joints? <laughs> yeah. I, I've always joked and said, uh, it's it's kind of a thing in the running community where it's like, oh, it's an old man's, uh, biking is an old man's game when your knees and everything else are done. But I, I might be taking it up at the, the spry age of 24. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've never been a runner. I hate running, but you know, Hey, I mean, you, you get the mileage in, man. You've yeah, been, I, mean, uh, I, I started so young. It was just, uh, I started as like to get in shape for hockey. I, I don't know if I necessarily loved it from the beginning. It did help that I was good when I was younger. The long, yeah. the long hair helped me win a couple of female races. My coach never let me take the trophies, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Nowadays, I, you get those trophies. I would not have finished. I would have done so. So, um, shout out, shout out to coach for not letting me do that. Um, but it, it did help that I was good, and I think that's like one of the things that really motivates people. If they realize they're good at something, they'll definitely stick with it more. And uh, just from there, I, I slowly just enjoyed it more and more every single time. So, yeah. You've, the gym always, been the, you've always been the kind of person that just jumps in full force and uh, goes really hard, all in or all out kind of person. That is very much so my personality. Um, I, I started uh, betting a little bit on sports, and my mom was like, if you ever bet more than $5, I will kill you, because <laughs> that's my my personality. And uh, to your credit, I think you, you're you very similar. I think we're, we've, we share that trait. Yeah. Share that name and the trait for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it's just an Austin thing. You're yeah. not an all-out or all-in person unless your name's Austin. I, I don't believe that because there's this like a, there's some really good professional athletes that weren't named Austin that definitely have that mentality as well. Well, there's uh, kind of a tangent. There's mm-hmm. this Christian personality test Chelsea, the rad wife, has been like, okay. all into, and she's had me take it. Yeah. And the personality type I got was I hate those, but then all of a sudden it's like scary accurate. And then I don't know if I hate it cause it's accurate or hate it. Cause like it's a bunch of hogwash where they write general stuff, but then it's like, uh, I'm like, I can't fit into this box. Don't put the personality test on me. And then it's like, Oh shoot. I, uh, <laughs> fit into the box perfectly. And it won my personality on that turned out to be like all in all out kind of person that's like really argumentative and likes to have confrontation i'm like crap that's me <laughs> <laughs> that, that is you uh, i'm sure there's some more like general ones that were on there um how did that one work is that a is it a lot of questions or is it more I of mean, like I, the... I did like a it was like a 10 minute quiz that had like okay. 70 questions and there's like nine types with like 
a bunch like a few subtypes in it within it based on like i don't know i can we can go in depth more on a later episode after i read the book and actually know more about it but <laughs> all i know is i ended up being a personality type eight which all in or all out was kind of the do you know how many there are by chance nine nine so, okay yeah well i'd find it hard to believe nine pe- there are only nine different kinds of people in the world right there's nine it was like nine types and then the uh subtypes are like the types you're adjacent to so oh, okay I guess... so it's, it's sort of like the i've never taken i think I've, well i've taken it like online but I've, you know you're supposed to get it like professionally done the the myers-briggs yeah professional quack or whatever so yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all i was trying to get as it sounds like it has a little more uh credence <laughs> to it than uh the astrology sign yeah like, oh, it's when more, were you born? <laughs> more credence than the astrology was <laughs> okay i have this is gonna be a real tangent but i have a theory <laughs> that astrology there could actually be something to it based on circadian rhythms like when you're born like how okay. and how the planetary effects could affect personality is because if the planets so everything has a gravitational pull okay. and so where the planets are in the orbit could have a different gravitational pull that could affect on a cellular level like the slightest amount of change could possibly affect where like genes line up or something like that so like as my point is not that i believe in astrology my point is that if someone actually wanted to like do some deep science and gravitational field to genetic uh correlation there might be a PhD project in there somewhere, oh. but I'm not saying that's me or I'm not saying <laughs> that I want to do that. I'm just saying that if someone wants to throw millions of dollars down the drain to fund research, there might hey, be. There might sounds be like a really smart there. white woman project, my yeah. opinion. <laughs> right. So that was a tangent of why I think there could potentially hypothetically be something behind it more so than what the crystal ladies think but uh, well you know i think a lot of it is just oh it's this instead of you know it's it's written generally enough that it's going to capture some people but right. you know, not every detail at the same point uh that is an int- you know i did not know that um what you had just mentioned about the gravitational pull i guess that makes it, i've seen some where it's like asked for your time of uh time you were born so perhaps I, it's perhaps they're you know, I don't know what they're using that for, but perhaps they're using it for that. I was just saying that it's got, there's just, there could be potentially something with gravity affecting sure. humans in but the slightest just, way. But there's also so many genetic or like, you know, you're just, you know, environment, you know, nature versus nurture, your classic. There's yeah. so many things that are, you know, I would say I'm all in, but like, that's probably something I learned. You know, it might it might be inherent, but also my dad is like extremely that kind of person. All, right. You know, so it's one of those. Getting back on topic. Well, yeah, it's like <laughs> all in, all out kind of person. I feel like I've always been like the idea man on what we're going all in on. <laughs> like Call of Duty back yeah. in 14 years old or however old we were. It was like we played that garbage game for like we had like days on days on days in that game and like you got 
you were better than me. You always grinded way more than me. And then next it was League of Legends, the video game, and you grinded the crap out of that. But like all these, like I kind of introduced you, and then you're the one that like grinds and surpasses me. And now it's on the stock trading. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm the idea guy that goes, oh, hey, let's go trade. And then all of a sudden I get busy and I'm not doing it. I go, oh, hey, you're traded like every day. Yeah. You are the, uh, current employer if you're listening i do not trade every day that's not a that's not true (laughs) um yeah no you to your point i i hadn't thought about it that way but when you brought up call of duty i was like yep that was you and league was you too and uh trading was me too (laughs) trading is also you yeah a little bit of sports betting (laughs) yeah i have uh i have cooled off on that and that's more because i can't either i'm not good or i just I don't really get the um, a lot of the like I bet on a lot of football, so it it just seems like it's a lot of coin flipping to me. Okay, the way to be good at sports betting is not having to know anything to do with the sport itself. It's to know where it's a mathematical odds thing of where you think you have the advantage mm-hmm. of like so like large of law of large numbers. The house is gonna will never yeah. run out of money before you run out of money mm-hmm. if you're betting evenly the same time is that when you see that the house mis- messes up with their odds and you right. have an advantage then you hammer your advantage like you play even play even play even then when you see the house mess up you, you bet big on that yeah and that's you got to hammer your advantages it has nothing to do with the sport itself it's always just finding where you have the mathematical advantage Gotcha. And, and then it can still not work out because it's a coin flip, but it's do it enough times and the, eventually the numbers work out in your favor. Yeah. So I guess I, ha- I have the same mistake sports betting as I did when I started trading. That would be the over trading is what I'm assuming I did. The more we've talked about this and the more I've listened to you guys, like you don't bet on every single game. It sounds no, like- I don't bet on every game. I bet I try to bet where I see odds looking wrong or where i see myself having an advantage so very similar to trading it's about taking good setups and accepting that you can be wrong on them right but knowing most of the time if you're consistent in that approach and process you'll be and you really have an edge you'll come out profitable yeah is the knowing when you have an advantage but knowing it's not a hundred percent advantage but well yeah if if it was a hundred percent everybody would be rich right if you do it enough with your slight advantage, you will come out ahead. So, yeah, I'm kind of the idea man, and then you take off with it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to your point, let's let's not like no no drugs at any point. Let's let's right. keep it. Let's keep our ideas clean. I uh, I enjoy being a relatively stable human being. Right. Apparently, I'm a little bit of a degenerate. It sounds like, but <laughs> no, no, not at all. I've always liked to think I don't have a, you know. Not everybody's as talented as everybody else, but I was always willing to work harder. Was right. My, was my thing. Put Not, more time I, into it. Yeah. I was always super competitive too. I'd be like, oh, I need to finish higher than all of my friends. And part well, of that, that is the shit talk. And part of that was just that, like, I really truly did believe I was the best. I think, okay. Just 
a little bit of constructive criticism, I guess, on the black box stocks where we started trading. You felt <laughs> like you had to beat the black box people <laughs> instead of using them to make your own money. You're like, I need to do better than these guys that are professionals or these people that have been doing it way longer instead of just yeah. utilizing the system to make your own money. You were competing with the people out there, so you were going against trying to do Yeah, I'm going to be honest. That, I would, that one was more ego, and I uh... – after like a, I think, well, we stopped, I think we used it for like a month because we started in like end of August and I think we used it through September. Right. And then, um, and then I was like in October and I think November I had like a pretty sizable loss and like on something that Blackbox said to never trade a Tesla stock. Uh, <laughs> it just it's just moody you know it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't it, you think it's doing one thing and then it it uh it slaps you across the face and but, then uh, elon sends a tweet and all of a sudden you've lost yeah. thousands of dollars yeah, elon asks if he should sell 10 percent of his stock and it, it had every signal to go up except that tweet and then it plummets and you're like well um but yeah i i looking back in like november i was like huh i i really I really messed up in saying that I thought I could do better than these black guys. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I still am of the opinion that if you're doing that much trading, it's probably worth the hundred bucks a month or whatever, 80 bucks a month. I just, oh, yeah. I just thought it was, I couldn't only, I can only trade on one day a week. And even then it's like, I can only mm -hmm. trade on that day if I'm not doing anything Fridays. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, um, so I think it's not worth it for me because it's a, that's a quite a big monthly subscription, but if you're using it to make money, then it yeah. pays for itself. I feel like if you could trade every day, but yeah, no, I totally agree. I would have already paid for it. You know, I would have already covered the profits on that this, this month already. So it definitely would help. I think the hard part was, um, uh, for those of you that don't know, Black Box follows order flow, which is basically it's following people that put in a lot of money into trades and it, it tracks it, it, it brings it up. Um, and then you're looking for certain kinds of trades. But basically the, the logic behind Black Box is as a small investor, you're never going to be able to move the market. But these really big traders, A, tend to know like inside information or B are major institutions or banks such as like a JP Morgan or, you know, BlackRock, whatever. And they, uh, historically they've done pretty well trading. So it's, it's kind of the, the logic of following that. And I think the hard part for that though, was some of those you held like from the videos I remember watching it on was like holding it for weeks. It depends on some of the strategies. Some are very quick, some are in and out, but some, some I know that like Mike, the trade, the main trader in there would say like some of these you just held for like weeks and it would draw down, you know, like 30, 40, 50 percent even sometimes before you make your profit. And to me, that was a that was a hard thing to do. So I, I trade on a much smaller time scale. I all my money is out of the market by the end of the day. So everything's intraday. Um, yeah, that I was trading for a little bit. I was negative, but. I had four solid rules that every time I followed my four solid rules of all only intraday, like it mm -hmm. was only intraday. I was doing like one contract at a time. Uh, mm -hmm. I forget what else, what my other couple rules were, but I'd always, 
I'd made money when I followed those four rules. It was when I tried using my own brain and coming up with my yeah. own ideas, breaking the rules was when I incurred massive losses. So, mm-hmm. Well, it's the, um, the, the biggest enemy in trading is yourself. Yeah. I can see how the mental, uh, it's always you, like you look at it and you're like, okay, so like if I take this trade with a thousand dollars, right. And right. I may, you know, you make 50%, you make it 500 bucks. That's a huge trade on us, obviously. But, um, people think it's like really easy to scale it. So it's like, okay, I could take that same trade with $10,000, right. And you make 5,000. Sure. In theory, but it's like, do you, do you have the mental fortitude to put $10,000 on the line on that trade? Like, are you that confident in it? Or is it one, yeah. you know, it's, it's a mental game. It's a scary proposition to yeah. uh, put the more money you put into it. Right. There's definitely a mental barrier. Cause so if it goes the opposite way, you're down $5,000 and yeah. you know, we trade options and options are like the money, the money comes in really fast and it goes <laughs> out really fast. Yeah. yeah. As a, as big Todd said, a lot of people lose trading options. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I think a lot of people like me uh, thought I could jump in, especially using black box and just all of a sudden make it big because I like to think I'm smarter than the average person at, at times and think that I could do it. That will yeah. happen to me mentality. I'll be the one that. That's the, uh, that's the exact kind of ego that gets you crushed though. It's the, uh, I'm smarter than the rest of the market. I, you know, I think it's going to do this. That's, that's when you get crushed. You got to ride the trends. Yeah. That was, that's the whole idea behind black boxes being a barnacle on the whale. Exactly. <laughs> get yeah. your own, just get you what you want <laughs> follow mm-hmm. the market, be the barnacle. So if you switched up your trading strategies or you've been hammering the same one or uh... I, I did switch. So initially I, um, I'm, I'm also cheap. Like, like Austin, I, I guess it's another Austin trend, uh, personality trait, all in, cheap, doesn't like to pay for, you know, anything. And uh, so I like a lot, there's a ton of resources on YouTube. So I watch this guy, you know, they have, they always have like the good clickbait thumbnails and he, he brought his account from like $3,000 to 100000 So it's like, okay, like in like 18 months something like that which is insane like that's impressive very impressive way more money than like in 18 months that's more than i'd make in my job so it's pretty appealing you know it's like one of those you you know it it gets it it, it loops you in they they know what they're doing um and he would trade he scalped options so it's like scalping is just another term for like you're you're in really in really quickly and out really quickly so it's like in a minute uh to five minutes maybe and um he would trade a lot of tesla stocks so i'd like try to follow that and um you know there are a couple setups that he do but my problem with it was he would trade these like quick momentum moves so it would like break through like yesterday's high of day and it would move like you know four or five points up but then it would come right back down but he was really good at being really disciplined and to only take like the setups he wanted to that look good to him. And then he get out like right when he needed to. And I'm sure that came over. Like he said, he traded for like five years before that. So a lot of that is just like, just like the gym. It's a lot of reps. Um, but my hard part in that was selling at the right time. 
because you're you know it would move really quickly and like five points is on an option contract at the money is 250 bucks right if you're making that in like 40 seconds you know you need to be thinking to yourself can this go any higher or do i get out now and a lot of the times i get caught in the uh oh i think this can go higher and then it degrees back down just as fast so i had a hard time with the selling your hands were a little too diamond bro yeah yeah (laughs) yeah until they became bags and then i would then i would sell (laughs) so i did i did change my strategy to become um now i use uh support and resistance or supply and demand zones so it'll bounce off like one zone where theoretically a lot of big buyers should come in at and then it'll go up to the resistance zone where a lot of people where it has a hard time moving past or a lot of people will sell at that point so that's i trade those trends now and i like trading that because there's a clear defined level on where you should get in and where you should get out and then it's just more of a matter of looking um there's levels that get hit all throughout the day on this happens on every single stock i trade uh some etfs so like i trade the nasdaq mainly um but like this happens on every single stock it happens on tesla apple microsoft google amazon you know anything you can name they all have levels so i find that a lot easier because a they're like normally big numbers so like if you're talking about like ford stock you're like at twenty dollars like twenty dollars should be a theoretically like a big level it's a big even number uh you should have a lot of buyers or sellers there depending on what the stock price is at and that um, having that sell point has really helped me become more consistent is what I found. So you've been trading. Do you just keep like, is that like you're, you have a separate budgeted money for trading and then this, then you have like budget for long positions or are you just all in on trading? What's uh, I am not, I, I do, I do think I'm a smart person, but I'm not crazy enough to think that I'm that successful that I'm going to, uh, kill the market. And I need all my money in my short term trading. Um, I basically took a set amount of money. Uh, I took $5,000 for my short term account. And I said, okay, if if this goes to zero, I'll be done. Because like, it's $5,000 I could have kept in my bank account. And um, I was okay with losing that. And I think that's the number one rule when you start trading is don't trade anything you're not afraid to lose. Like, theoretically, it should never go to zero. Um, all in one trade, at least. That's that's just very bad risk management. But um, Tesla, two thousand calls. Yeah, over this Friday. Over, <laughs> over the long term, <laughs> you could end up like theoretically losing uh, all that money. Which is, you know, as long as you're okay with that, you're okay with that. And then the rest of my money is in the bank or in long in a long term account. Okay, I heard this really interesting thing. Uh, interview with Jordan Belfort. Uh, he was the original Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. He was on Russell Brand's podcast of all things. Okay. And so this might interest you. I'm not sure you've thought of it yet. Is uh, It was about crypto. I know you've heard of crypto and thought about crypto, but what he was saying is that crypto has no fundamentals. Mm-hmm. It's these shit coins that don't do anything, but people buy it anyway. And they have a hundred million dollar market cap just because, and uh, what Jordan was saying is that the plebeians like us 
love it because it's all technical analysis. There's no fundamentals to know. There's really no news. Mm-hmm. Everything is just chart analysis. So it might actually be easier to trade because it's all technical analysis, not anything to do with the comp- underlying company itself. It's all about who's buying it, how much they're buying at what levels do large uh, buyers come in. And I thought you're talking about technical analysis on mm-hmm. the charts. I was like, if crypto's all, and I've noticed the technical analysis people on YouTube for crypto and the, when it's all the bull market, they're really good at the support and resistance levels. It's when the okay. momentum changes. It's that's when they start being wrong because they're starting to, they be like, Oh, resistance level. It's going to go back up to this or it's at support right now. It's going to go back up to this resistance level when actually Bitcoin collapses to 30 K or whatever. And everybody's wrong. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I so, just, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that. Um, it does make sense, I suppose. There's not, you know, it hasn't been around for very long. Um, and it's not, as we uh, we were talking about the other day, I think a lot of people thought crypto was going to be um, a hedge, you know, similar to gold or silver. It was going to be the new, the new hedge against inflation or, you know, bad economic news. But it really, it really hasn't become that. So, I think you don't have a lot of institutions backing it as much as it was like when it got like really hot, especially the beginning of COVID. Um, But that is an interesting point. Um, One of the reasons I don't trade crypto is I don't, um, I think a lot of it is like sort of scammy Um, and you have to do a lot of due diligence, which is fine. I I think if you put in the time, I actually really think that has a disproportionate reward. Whereas crypto is crazy i just also there's not good trading platforms for like coinbase and then all of a sudden you're paying half your profits and fees but right to do it there's also um i know they're starting i've been i I keep up on the news and i think there is uh there's they're starting to put together like some etfs for it yeah there there's been one that went live okay a bitcoin etf i um Normally, the way crypto works, or at least the way I look at it, is like most people watch Bitcoin as like the overall indicator, and then most of your most of your stuff follows Bitcoin for the most part. It's not necessarily true for everything, uh, and uh, that's the same in nor- normal stock market. Not everything follows the Nasdaq. You can have everything can be falling on the Nasdaq, and then you know you could have Tesla shooting up because you know Elon tweeted a picture of a squirrel. Um, <laughs> But uh, I I think once there's no options on it either, which is um, part why part of why I trade options is my accounts under the PDT rule, um, which you know is twenty five thousand dollars. So you can't get your money back instantly. So it takes a day to settle. So if mm-hmm. I trade, if you trade stocks in a cash account, it uh, it takes two days to settle. So if you trade options, it only takes a day. So if I trade, if I use my full account on Monday, it's all back in my account on Tuesday. If I trade crypto or like any stock, non-option based, and I use all of it on Monday, I can't trade again until Wednesday. Okay, I didn't know that rule. So yeah, so it's, it only applies to people that have you know small accounts under the uh, twenty-five thousand dollars. Us plebeians, really. Yeah. One one day maybe I'll make it over the uh, 
the fabled the fabled number, but <laughs> not at the moment currently. Yeah, I just thought that was an interesting uh, technical, the interesting point that it's all technical analysis, and so yeah. if uh, if you felt really comfortable with TA, then you could just jump into looking at support and resistance levels on any shit coin and just being trading the trading those levels. But yeah, I really think technical analysis is what moves most in the market. You have um, news catalysts that'll move, you know, that'll get you to those levels. They'll help, you know, encourage buying or selling, you know, like the Fed meetings that, you know, either you know, <laughs> skyrocket the market recently or they just plummeted, it seems, you know, one way or the other. But um, those key levels are really what I think moves an underlying stock. Interesting. Uh, so what's OK, preface all of this with we're not financial advisors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot, Don't. we forgot that part. We talked we're about not being doctors. But. We're not doctors with your health. Don't starve <laughs> yourself unless you want to lose 100 pounds in like under a year. I mean, that's really if you want to do that, you can starve yourself. It'll work really well. Uh, but it's probably not healthy. Uh, we're also not <laughs> financial advisors. So, yeah, we're just uh, we're just two Austins who uh, just a couple of chucklehead Austins. Yeah. So, uh, don't remember wind energy sucks anyway uh so or wind energy blows actually that's what it was, that was. So, yeah so anyway but it, bet it all on black actually don't bet it all on black there's other <laughs> things that have 50 50 that have far more returns than 2x so <laughs> but uh, uh so what's your uh long positions do you like tesla i have to bring oh. this up Anytime we talk about stocks, because I hate Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> so um, Tesla is very volatile. It's, I think if you, I, I genuinely think if you held it long term, it'll do pretty well. Kathy, um, Kathy Wood says anything under 1500 is a cheapie. But, uh... <laughs> well, uh, when Kathy Wood talks about that, you have to consider that it's split twice already. Right. So Kathy, like she's over that, and Kathy Wood is actually, um, so I, her stake in Tesla isn't as big as it used to be either. Despite yeah. her, despite it's it's one of those things where like if you if you really pay attention to what she says, she's talking about price targets being like three thousand dollars a share, or like seven you know seven thousand dollars a share, um, long term, and she's so she'll say that like she really thinks it's valued that way, but then. She also doesn't have her money, like as much money in Tesla. So it's one of those things where you have to be careful. Like, you don't, you don't want to go purely off of what like a news article said, because like, yeah, Warren Buffett might like really believe in this company, but you want to look at what his holdings are actually in. If he doesn't own it, he doesn't really believe in it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but, um, okay, so do you think Tesla's at fair value right now? Ooh, I have a hard time. Um, no, no, Tesla is not at fair value right now. But I think you can say that for anything else. I, there's a lot of stuff that's not at fair value. So if it's not at fair value, is it undervalued? <laughs> <laughs> no, Tesla Tesla is generally overvalued right now by a lot. And it's um, it's mainly by the position the way it's positioned as a company. So like they're an auto they're an auto manufacturer, but they're clearly positioned as a tech stock more so. So they have the tech valuation, which we everybody knows is absurdly high. 
Yeah, but they're a car company, so like a million freaking companies out there that make no money that yeah <laughs> have massive valuations for yeah for like tech. Tesla stock right now is nine hundred and forty four dollars a share, um, and Ford stock is currently at twenty dollars and sixty five cents a share. And one of those companies, I think, makes a uh, multiple times over the number of cars that the other company makes. I, okay, I saw this really stupid article the other day about how we don't think Ford can be get an evaluation of an EV company yet. Yeah, that just uh, that just crushed their stock by about uh, 20%. And I was like, but this boggles my mind because I'm like, you know the F-150 Lightning is going to be the number one selling EV truck. Yeah. It's because the F-150 is the number one selling truck. Right. And then, you know... Who has all the infrastructure to produce cars? The mm. already established automakers. Yeah. Who's already got like loyal customer bases? The mm. automakers. So like saying, and then the initial assumption that EV car makers need to have massive like PE ratios and valuations already, I felt was such a leap in judgment of like, or in a, such a leap of an assumption that, mm-hmm. oh, they're not ready for the EV valuation. I was like, "What? Is, why does EV need such a huge evaluation anyway? Like, right. like the basic premise of that was already so ridiculous in my mind that like, I'm like not in, I'm not a huge car guy. I don't really pay attention to auto that much, but if 10 years down the road, A, I don't think people want to adopt electric vehicles as much as, uh, of i guess media is trying to push it and then also i think that the already established car makers will just beat out any of these new startups except maybe tesla because tesla's got elon yeah so i i think um widespread i think widespread it will eventually be adopted um i don't think it'll be as like quick as people say but i mean by 2030 like gm's supposed to have over 30 different evs you can see Ford's pushing into the market as well. Um, and you have a lot of companies that have rebranded themselves. They're not even like Ford doesn't even call themselves an automotive company anymore. They're a mobility company. I think I that's so dumb. I hate that. But anyway, <laughs> <carry> on. <laughs> well, I, I think it's just more of a positioning thing. They're trying to um, like they own. Uh, I, I think they own Bird, the scooter company. So, yeah. like, OK, they have investments outside of cars because there's other transportation that can be the future as well all right they should just start making airplanes too mr mobility (laughs) um but yeah i think the like yeah the ford f-150 lightning should do really really well i mean the the internal combustion engine version the gas version it is best-selling pickup truck on the market so i don't see why it wouldn't do well uh you know it looks like a normal truck which I think you have uh, some polarization using something like the Cybertruck. Like, I don't think the Cybertruck will do poorly. It's, you know, um, but I don't think it'll do as well as something that just looks like a normal car. But um, Tesla has a lot of advantages in just being first to market, at least in the stock, in the stock right. world. And in, um, and in the fact that they have Elon Musk, who's like very similarly viewed as like a Steve Jobs. Like it's a, a visionary thinker and as opposed to, um, you know, your typical, like Tim Cook leads Apple now, and he's much more of like your analytical engineer guy. 
where it's like, okay, we have this plan, like we're, we're driven by these metrics instead of like, oh, I think this iPhone will be like the next revolutionary thing. So I think those are like the main things that keep like Tesla stock as high as it is. Um, and obviously you have a lot of major buyers in it as well. When you have people like Kathy Wood and huge banks that are like, okay, like the stock has performed very, very well. Um, but equally, you have people on the opposite side that are just as big of investors betting that it'll go down. So it's, it's tricky. It fluctuates like crazy. There's a lot safer places to put your money, especially for long term. So we're kind of going long here uh, yep. time wise. What's your number one long hold that you're like, I like this company. This is my favorite company. I own their stock. This thing is my my baby. Ooh. <laughs> you have anything in your portfolio like that that you're just like, this is my company, man. That, I, like you you buy no matter what. You're like, it dips, like, you're still gonna buy it. Yeah, it dips. You're still gonna buy it. You like the stock. It's done really well for you, maybe. I don't know. Your just your favorite stock. Um, my favorite stock I'd have to pick is it's it's not like the most high returning but i would pick apple yeah that's a good one i mean way to stay uh <laughs> relevant on the topic way to stay mainstream well not well, okay. when i look at something that i want to buy no matter what i'm looking at something everybody else will buy i'm looking at something that's in everybody's etfs that's in everybody's retirement plans and yeah. i think when you look at tech stocks like They've done well over the past couple of years. I think over the past seven years, um, growth has outperformed value, which is not typically how it's been in the investing world. Mm -hmm. um, growth would refer to like more tech stocks for those people that don't know. And value would refer to things that are generally like if you do the numbers and the PE ratios and their financial um, statements, they're generally considered undervalued. And that's kind of how Warren Buffett made all of his money um, with but now, now growth stocks are better that way, it seems, recently at least. And I, Apple is so pervasive in the U.S. And their, their branding, their marketing, I really think they've done an extremely good job of making people tie to that identity of Apple rather than just the products themselves. Uh, I know they've talked about like doing a, an Apple car. I don't think that would really do well, but it's in the same concept. Because it like, won't have windows. What else? <laughs> But it's in the same realm as like uh, Nike entering like uh, the metaverse and all that. Like it's it's good buzz. It's, uh, you know, dipping a foot in. But I really think over the long term, like Apple's here to stay there. The, I don't think there's anybody that like really there might be a phone company down the line that could disrupt them. But in like 30, 40, 50 years, I think Apple will still be valued at more than what it is today. And it pays a dividend too. So, yeah. All right. That's so my one, of my, one of my ideas for future podcasts mm -hmm. is collect these kind of stock ideas, maybe a little bit more degenerate picks than Apple because everybody likes Apple, but yeah, yeah. Some, some dirty degenerate picks and just throw them at Big Todd and see what okay. he says. Because he, he's often, he's got a lot of years experience to know yeah. what kind of dirty degenerate things actually work out. And what kind of was actually just a scam? But I feel like dirty degenerate things work out more on the sense of like news and like market conditions. So like in in Big Todd's episode, he talked about uh, Peloton. So like it took off with that stay at home, and now the stock has like absolutely plummeted. 
Right. So it's it's playing more on tre- um, shorter term trends for the uh, the crazier stuff to work out. I think. Yeah, I don't know, but he got into Mastercard back when it was under a hundred dollars a share. So uh, somehow he picked that one. Maybe that was dirty degenerate back then. Or uh, I feel like he he seems pretty smart on what he uh, what he picks. I feel like you know he realized oh like credit cards are probably yeah you know so it's easier I, than carrying your wallet and uh, as he talked about in his criteria you know it's something that he probably had or used. Yeah. So my my idea for future episodes maybe you could be part of this if you want to bring in your stock picks and have okay. Big Todd review them. I'm not sure. That'd be kind like of cool. Future. Big Todd's got COVID right now, so uh, uh, he's kind of. <laughs> As do I currently, but uh, yes. hope hope Big Todd's doing well. Yeah, so he's he's fine. He just got he's sick, but so but um, when he gets better, he'll be on soon with some okay. stock picks. Another uh, another like theory you could do is like you could you could have a really small portfolio and you could just throw in like the the podcast stock picks. Oh, that'd be and see how it does. That would be a. That's a good idea. I like that. Good. That's a. I'm writing that one down right now. I like that idea. Doesn't need to be like a hundred thousand dollars, but you know, maybe you buy, now two shares, five shares, whatever. Right. Of like you know, the stock picks the people. Uh, it you know, if Big Todd says they do well, and we just you know, you could kind of track it and see how it does over the long term. Yeah, Not financial it. advice. Don't follow this blindly. People. The listen, Rad Life but... ETF coming soon. Yeah, uh, you know, you could become the next. Uh, Jim Cramer potentially doing that. <laughs> so, um, well, it's been great having you. Uh, do you have any uh, social media you want to pump or probably not? Or uh, No, no. Uh, as you know, I sort of live under the rock. Um, not uh, a, Social media is not my thing. I think it. Uh, no, uh, it's a personal opinion. I don't need to di- digress into that. But no, I don't really have anything. Um, I do think this would be a great time to pump some... Uh, some open sea i think somebody has oh yes i do it is time to pump some open sea this is open sea.io i have some artwork nfts there for sale really cheap five dollars uh more coming soon i've made some drawings they're getting uploaded and minted into the system coming soon pop tarts if you're listening um we could have an nft on your way if you uh you want you want to hit us up and the wind energy companies that want to come sway my opinion, throw some money my way, you know, I'll, I'll change my tune. I can, I can be bought by wind energy. Uh, I'll put that out there. Um, just gonna pump my Twitter. Well, at least my, uh, sp- my podcast Twitter, it's rad life, Spotify. It's at rad life, Spotify. I got to do a little bit better at social media, media marketing probably going to make a rad life instagram just for more pumping stay tuned for that well it's been great having you it's been a great a squared podcast and i hope you have a great rest of your day yeah anytime thanks for having me on i'm looking forward to seeing how this uh stock portfolio slash uh big todd's picks go thank you for having me have a great day great day see ya